Shock listeners, new and old. Uh, thanks for being here with us. We're here for episode 11. My name is Christian Lagarde. Uh, Matt Poland with Map Advising. It's been a while. It's been a little while. since It's been, it's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> we're still we're still here. We still got the Lagarde Consulting Group and Map Advising. Map Advising going. It's It's been a while. We, we didn't, these summer months, Matt, are really, really getting to us. We've been sort of enjoying the summer and thinking about taking time off and and slowing yep. down and figuring out what the rest of the year is going to look like for us. Definitely. One, today we're getting into the great de-education. For yeah. Her. So that's, a, yeah, that's the, the, the name of this episode for those that aren't, for those that are listening and not watching our YouTube channel. And as, as everyone knows, we have a YouTube channel. We have our podcast going for those that are listening. But if you're watching on YouTube, you can see our, our opening slide. It's the episode 11, the great de-education. We've done some greats. In the past, we talked about the great, talk about the great resignation. Then we talked about some other greats that are now trending. But we're gonna we're gonna start this one, Matt. We're 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 gonna be the first, I think, to start this great de-education, and we'll explain a little bit as to what that means. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just run by this slide real quick. But Christian's with the Lagarde Group, I'm with Map Advising, and let's go ahead and jump into. The great de-education. So, what do we mean by de-education? So our thoughts, yeah. So our thoughts around around de-education uh, are are similar to our thoughts around the Great Resignation. Right? People are leaving their jobs. People are moving about the country to go from one side to the other. Or even deciding whether or not they even want to do what they want to do. Well, that's happening within education too. So when we we deem this, and when we we're recalling, and we'll talk about for this next thirty minutes with everyone, is that the de, you know the great de-education is the retrenchment in enrollment in higher ed. It is a bloodbath right now from everything from community colleges to universities. Matt was just talking with one of a college that he works with right now. And he, the number came out, I'll say, I'll let you say it, Matt. What was the number in the decline? So this is a community college. It's the extension. Well, I'm sorry, it's not community college. It's a university extension program um, in Southern California. And their enrollment number is down 40% from last year. 40% 40% less students across the extension, which is a significant number. That's a huge decline, you know, yeah, that, <laughs> that population in that area is less, is going to be less educated, you know, as a result. Cause I, I imagine the numbers are similar for their university, for the community colleges in their area. So it is not, it is not uncommon, Matt, to see double digit 40s. Like blew my mind when you told me that. Like my head exploded. That that is an enormous amount of of students that are not enrolling or that that decline in enrollment year over year. But yeah, double digit double digit fall enrollments for the last couple of years is not uncommon, and we don't really see a reason why it's going to increase on pop. And I think that's our that's our topic today. That's our thoughts today. Is what in the world is happening? What is happening for this great de-education? Why are those classrooms empty? Why are double-digit decreases in enrollment happening in higher education across the spectrum and what's happening? So we uncovered a couple of root causes that we want to just talk about and share with each other. And we'd love to get yep. your comments as well in the in the in the chats and in the you know, you know, in the YouTube comments and things like that. But some of the root causes that that Matt and I were have been throwing around is one. Well, Matt and I have been throwing around and we're hearing from uh, the institutions that we're working with, both on the university side and on the community college side. 
one of them is this thing that that's this this term that we've been hearing is this demographic cliff, uh, which means there's less babies being born. There's less adult bearing is students that are in that adult age that are coming of age to go to college. So because of that reason, there's less seats that are going to be filled. So that traditional, even the, from the traditional to that non-traditional age group, Matt, that we see at, you know, bo at both community colleges and universities is declining. So what are we to do about that? You know, that's just one of many of the, of the root causes, but that definitely is something that, that I'm hearing and that universities are addressing. Yeah, and moving into the next one, the job market, uh, there's still jobs are still pretty plentiful. Uh, often, when unemployment rises, that's when you see more folks enrolling in education, which actually did not happen during the pandemic. First of all, um, and second of all, as the pandemic is sort of receding, we're not totally out of it with BA five and the things going on right now as we record this. But as we're kind of moving out of the pandemic and employment came back. Um, you know, we are still perhaps headed in a recession. We have rising inflation and what they're calling it is the full employment recession uh, because there is low unemployment in a lot of places nationally and individual states, yet uh, we're still in a recession. We're seeing rising inflation and all that stuff. And that, that, to, me is a, that to me is a big one. Funny you should mention the BA5. I just recovered from it. That was another reason uh, our loyal fans of Future oh, wow. Shock, we didn't do one because I had I had the COVID for a little while. I was out for a couple of weeks with it. It's not pleasant. So um, yeah, that's one, one of those reasons. So yeah, funny you should bring that up. Uh, the, other, the other thoughts about this root cause of this, the de-education and this sort of retrenchment and enrollment is alternative to traditional education. Uh, Matt and I both are higher education advocates, yet at the same time, we are on the side of those alternatives. So we have promoted and have worked on short-term credentials, industry-based certifications, apprenticeship-type models, things that are outside the traditional classroom and outside of traditional higher education. And because of those, everything from boot camps to, to you name it, we've, we've, we're seeing that, we're seeing the escalation of that. We're seeing these of the, of the ability of a student or participant to do one of those boot camps or some short term or a pre-apprenticeship or apprenticeship program within a year and, and, and be employed with a very, very decent paid job. So with the, because those alternatives exist, it's sort of steering the attention of someone who's gonna go after a two to three year associate degree or a four to six year university degree or, or four year degree for those reasons. Right, and maybe so, I think what you're saying, Christian, right, is some people are becoming more aware of the multiple options um, that exist out there, which is good and bad. It's good because having multiple options is always good. And there are really great alternatives, you know, to a four-year degree for people that are not going to pursue a four-year degree um, in community colleges and in apprenticeship programs, like you mentioned. But that's drawing away from, you know, some of these programs, too, where people are or like we, the job market, they're just going to work because jobs are pretty available right now. Yeah. Interestingly enough, and I just just sort of have read this as well, is that the opposite's happening too, which is but which is wild to me. You have, you have, you have people with master's degrees coming back to do these short-term <laughs> alternatives. 
So you have, you have some people with bachelor's degrees in all fields. Doesn't It's not just liberal arts degrees, which we you know some people like to beat up on. Like, what do you do with a history degree? That is not what we're saying. We're talking about people with, with maybe it's in tourism, maybe it's in management or whatever it is, but they're coming back with master's degrees to be part of this, the, the sort of these new jobs that are in pick a pick a pick an industry, advanced manufacturing, healthcare, IT, cybersecurity, et cetera, that they're coming with these degrees and they want to be part of this alternative uh, job market and, and these alternative training. So it's interesting to see that not only the 18 plus, you know, the 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 traditional students are are opting to go a different route. Yeah. Adults that have degrees are coming back to, to go a different route because these jobs are, are very high paying. And uh, and it's and, and there's a lot of them, so yeah. there's a focus yeah. on that as well, which is which is why. Yeah, now that we're on episode eleven, I'm getting to the point. Where I was like, forgive me if I've told this story already, but I, I always tell the story of my wife when it comes to community college. She graduated with a bachelor's degree in sociology, went to go work for Planned Parenthood at the time for twenty six or twenty seven thousand dollars a year, um, and that's what got her interested in healthcare, though. So she went back got her uh, first her light LVN and then her RN through community college and tripled her salary. Now it's even more than that. Uh, and it was the value of the specific community college degree versus that particular. It's not that you can't go anywhere with a bachelor's in sociology, but there are a lot of people that earn a bachelor's and don't make that much afterward. They're, they don't have a clear career pathway. So and it's a good segue to our next one, which is about the cost, which which I think is the ROI. So yep. the return on your the return on your investment for whatever it is that you're whatever it is that you're going to do. So if it's that long-term mindset as I was describing, what is the opportunity cost in sitting at a university for four to six years? What kind of income would you be losing had you done something at an alternative to to traditional education, got a job quickly? And then that earning potential that you lost, that opportunity cost is real. Yeah. That opportunity cost has 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 a lot of value, and what you could do with that money over those five years, versus sitting off, sitting out of the job market and and being educated. So that ROI is starting to work against higher education, because to Matt's point about a sociology degree or or pick pick a pick a bachelor's doesn't matter they're getting out and not getting those high wages that they would get they're getting out making 30 to forty thousand dollars well the payback for that debt uh is isn't it just isn't justifiable so why would you want to assume all that debt when you can have something that may be free or very low cost and then go get a job and start earning immediately yeah and this taps right into the next one the cost of education that's always on on the rise and it becomes less affordable and less economical for people, you know, by the week, by the month, by the year. Yeah. And uh, particularly for four-year degrees, but costs are also increasing for all types, you know, for community college programs, um, for training, pro private training programs, what have you. Um, we still have not solved the student debt issue. Um, so people are forced to take on debt, you know, sometimes for the rest of their work career almost uh, to have an education. And yeah, that's that's always a factor. You know, we can't forget about that one. But I and will move on. Yeah, I think, Matt, you found a study from Brookings, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, that kind of touched on a little bit of, of this one and on the last two we talked about. 
Yeah, this is from Brookings. Uh, and it's it's not just talking about the cost, but it's sort of taught these couple of charts I'm going to show are talking about the value again of the, the ROI of the degree and in relation to uh, racial and ethnic disparities um, that ex we know exist. Um, and it, it, this chart shows if you're white, a college degree is much, much more valuable, a bachelor's degree in particular, much more valuable. You see the much bigger increase between no bachelor's degree and master's degree for the white population versus black, Hispanic, other. The positive spin on this is that for all of them, you, you do better with a bachelor's degree, right? So if you have the option, you have a way to pay for it, you can, you know, you have the sports you need. It always makes sense to try to get the bachelor's degree. It does, it does on average increase your income by quite a bit if you look at the relative numbers there, but still it doesn't solve that wealth gap um, issue. And I'll just move also to the next chart here. Uh, this one zeroes in uh, from Brookings specifically uh, on black earners and in relation to their uh, level of education. And this was from Philadelphia Metro. Um, but clearly, again, the, the higher your education level, the more you're gonna earn, um, but you'll definitely earn more if you're white, uh, depending on each level, um, so. If you're looking at the, you know, thinking about this disparity of the value, and yeah, you know, this yeah. is a pretty, this is fairly recent. So this is as of, as of 2019. Yep. And so that dollar earned for a bachelor's degree, you know, for those with bachelor's degrees, is 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 high on at on average, um, right? So the question then, the, the question then we have is like, well, does it depend on what Matt brought up a second ago about sort of the level the level of debt that you are then assuming? Yeah. to get said degree. So are you getting it at Harvard? Are you getting it at University of Florida? Are you getting it at, you know, okay. At, so depends on how much you're spending for that, which where the ROI part comes in, how yeah, much yeah. and how long are you going to carry that debt over time uh, that you have to continue to pay for it and sort of erodes at your income. These numbers that we're looking at right now do show enough differential for that. Uh, but that definitely is something to take into account is about that 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 value that burden of debt uh, that you have to yeah, assume. Yeah, that, that would be really interesting to see um, if you took this chart, yeah, and then compared it with the average level of debt for someone who's black or Hispanic, earning an average of sixty-eight thousand or ninety-two thousand, uh, and ha with an advanced degree, what level of debt on average do they have versus the white counterparts? Um, I, I would be curious to see that too, because I bet it's higher. Well, that's working to do the next study, the next study, the next study yeah. on that one. Um, one, what spurred us on to this conversation was this article that came out in the Wall Street Journal. It was basically, the, the title of the, the article was, A Generation of American Men Get Up Upon College. I Just Feel Lost. And I, read, I saw this article I read, because I read the Wall Street Journal and, and see it, it pops, it popped up on my feed probably, right, Matt? Yeah. So who reads newspapers anymore, to be honest, like, but it did pop up on my feed, um, which is how, calling this sort of segment sort of the great de-education of males. Um, at the close, if you're not reading it on the, on the deck for those who are listening, at the close of the 2020-21 academic year, women made up 59.5% of all college students at an all-time high, an all-time high, and men were 40.5% of that enrollment. 
universities had 1.5 fewer students compared to five years ago. This is in line with what we're talking about with this great education. However, men accounted for 71% of the decline of that 1.5 million fewer students. Wow. And that, that shocked me when I read that. When I read that, I thought, what? Really? What does that, what does that mean? 71% of the decline are men. Because it used to be the opposite, right? It yeah. used to be 80s, 90s, early odds data would probably show the higher enrollment of males over females, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what does that mean exactly? So my question, the questions that hit me, Matt, were, where is everybody, what are they doing? <laughs> where are they going? Like, is it, are they are they focused on or matriculating to sort of male-generated fields? Is that is the industry that would essentially be sort of male dominated is that where they're going are they going to are they going to work in construction right like just blue collar jobs that men tend to do right are they gravitating to that or are they sitting in the basement playing call of duty i don't know but what, <laughs> what is happening with i mean 71 percent of the decline are males which means a couple of things one males aren't being educated at the same rate that they were being educated before uh what what are they what are they doing in the place of it? Are they doing these alternative models we're talking about? Are they doing these IT boot camps? Are they doing these these hackathons? Are they doing these these apprenticeships both in, both in traditional and non traditional fields? Don't know, right? Don't we don't and they didn't talk about that in the in the article as well. They didn't know what what it was, but what they found out was that that was an enormous decline. And what that means, I think, for females is essentially could be a very big positive for them. Because as this search, the divergent increased at graduation after six years of college, 65% of women in the U.S. who started a four-year university received diplomas. Mm -hmm. Women are graduating at a much faster rate. Not only are they graduating at a much faster rate, they're the holder of that degree. So does that is that the key to this wage disparity that we keep talking about? Is that the key to uh, equity and pay and position of the like? I don't I don't know. Yeah, I mean, all this yeah, yeah, a lot of lot of lot of ideas came up as I was reading this article about like where are all the males going, but what does that mean for females and how do they then now ascend into those ranks of positions that men would would carry that they're not going to be able to have because they don't have the education. Right. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Does that have a real impact? I, I, you would hope it does. It, it would it would make sense or it would be logical you know, for women to take on advanced roles and, and move into leadership. Um, it, you know, I have a feeling that there's, there's a real, really, you know, complex social issues, you know, tied into the, the gender pay gap um, that we still have not fully unraveled. I mean, this certainly should help, I would hope, you know, but if it didn't, I mean, that would, that would mean the social the social issues are much worse than we thought they were. The the, the culture issues, I guess, um, and, and male dominated corporate leadership, let's say, um, or most a lot of organizational leadership, particularly in corporate corporate America, the, the lack of women. Um, I have a feeling there's a lot of it there. I mean, because they will they'll be out of excuses if you can't hire a very highly educated um, female over a male. Um, you know, they, they, they will clearly be, have the skills, you know, to have, to get the job. Right. So. Exactly. Exactly. So that leads us to our sort of last piece that we wanted to, a last piece sort of open discussion between Matt and I was like, well, what is the impact of this? What does this mean 
for for higher ed? What does this mean for workforce? What does this mean for those for skilled the skilled both on the technical side and on the general education side of employees that need those well-rounded employees that have both the general education and the skills training and the like that aren't going to get that. They're not signing up. They're not enrolling. And we hear about sort of the, you know, skills gap even right now, there's tons and tons of jobs that are unfilled uh, with the requirements that employers are asking for. But having this, knowing this, it makes this even worse, right? And knowing this makes this gap, this hiring gap, this talent gap, the thing we got away from saying skills gap is this talent gap now. It just is going to intensify. So the great de-education is just going to pull even, could potentially pull this talent gap further and further and further apart because those employees aren't getting the types of knowledge that's needed to work in the types of organizations in America and globally. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, it could, it, this could end even worse. It could be even worse than we see it today because of this retrenchment and enrollment and the lack of education that that our, you know, that our that generation is going to have moving forward. Yeah, it, for definitely. I mean, it, it's going to like you said already, Christian, we were talking about this earlier. It's going to make this stretch out years into the future of that that talent gap that we have. Um and the great uh reshuffling or whatever you might call it, like we talked about in earlier episodes, that that's gonna that's gonna last that much longer because people are not gaining the skills they need to, and employers thus aren't able to fill the positions they need to. Um, and so, yeah, it it, it makes I, I don't think education is the only reason that some of that is happening. You know, we've talked we talked about some of the other impacts of uh, why people didn't want to go back to work right away. People had concerns with childcare. Some people had concerns with how their employer treated them during the pandemic and weren't eager to go right back to that employer or even to a similar job in some cases. So there's multiple social, cultural layers to that, but education is a key one, right? And if we don't have people with the education and skills they need for these jobs, it, it will stretch out years beyond now. And then, and then the impact just to higher education in general, right? If, if the yeah. impact of higher education, what's happened, I mean, that university extension program you brought up, they, they can't sustain life with a 40% retrenchment in enrollment, right? So you're talking about layoffs within education. We've seen things happen. We've seen universities close. We've seen colleges merge to save money and save personnel and share, you know, share resources and, and share services and the like, right? We've seen that happen. But if this continues in this way, then we're going to just see more of that. And those providers of higher education, those educational providers, both community college and, and universities are going, to, are going to continue to suffer. Does that mean that they can't pivot and act according? Of course not. They yeah. can, and some are. Some community yeah. colleges are, are, are know yeah. enough about this and are making decisions now, not yeah. waiting five years from now to understand, oh, well, maybe we need to get in the game of alternative and alternative education. Maybe we need to get in the game of changing the way we do this Carnegie clock hour type of education with lectures and three hours of credit and the like. And they're looking at, they're, they're thinking about doing things like apprenticeships, like short-term trainings, like all the things. So does, is this gonna, could this essentially, could the great de-education essentially redefine education as we know it? Maybe, 
That's what I think has to happen. If not, yeah, these behemoth organ these behemoth universities and and educational cannot exist with the type of decline in tuition funding that is happening with these large you know retrenchments and enrollment. Yeah, and you already answered it, but I was going to ask you that: Do you think this is the wake up call the education system needs to become more relevant, you know, to people's lives in general? And, and like like you said, I think community colleges get it a little more like that, that they have to be part of preparing people for the workforce. Most universities don't, you know, in my experience anyway, they're, they're pretty disconnected from the work world or, or preparing people for work or, or only being focused on preparing people for a very few number of occupations, like researcher, professor, um, couple of, you know, things related to that and not the variety of things someone could do if they studied science or studied um, psychology, for example. Exactly. And, and I, I mean, I've talked about this one also before, but in my university experience uh, in psychology, they only focused, you know, when we went to, I went to a seminar on what you do after you get your bachelor's degree, they only were focused on, on master's programs. And they assumed we all were going to become psychologists or therapists or professors. Those were the three jobs available to us. Right. Right. And I don't know that much has changed. That was 20 plus years ago, but I don't know that that's changed a lot. Right. And maybe this is the wake up call they need, particularly at universities that we have to be more relevant to people's lives because people are not that maybe that's what's leading to some of the decline in enrollment. People are realizing this isn't that relative to what I want to do with my life or I can't see the relevance. Why would I pay this much? Exactly. You know, I need to get a job and earn money and I need to learn skills, um, applicable skills. And they haven't been, made a good job of how what they learn in like a four-year degree program is applicable. Yeah. Very, yeah. And to, to that, to answer that question, it, it, I think the pandemic did quite a bit of disruption with a lot of things that we know, that we, you know, have been a part of. We've talked about with the great resignation and all the greats, it was the wake up call for employers to realize, whoa, we need to change the way we do certain things. We need to make sure that we are being kind to our to our employers. We need to make sure that, that you know, all, all the things to try to attract talent. No different than education now like that. And that's why we wanted to do this episode to talk about the connective, the connective tissue between what's happening in the workforce and what's happening in on the private sector and how it's impacted. What, what does that mean for for education, there is a very clear line between what happened with during the you know during the pandemic with the great reshuffling, with the great resignation, and now with this great de-education. I really hope this picks up, Matt. I really hope that this book goes viral and the great de-education becomes a thing. But but it's 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 all connected, and I think the wake up call that happened with that is happening with employers yeah. is happening with education, and it's loud. And if they don't if they don't do something about it. It is going to be dire straits for some of these higher higher ed institutions. Well, and it's just it's part of our job, I think, in workforce development is building the closer connections between education and workforce. It, it can be really hard when organizations are deep into their ways of doing things and their traditions and their cultures um, to make that happen. Um, it happens slowly, uh, but yeah, maybe they sometimes might need a jolt like this. Uh, to move a little quicker on connecting education and work a little more closely. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I would say I would say another successful episode there, Matt. Yeah. Uh, we are we wrapping episode eleven, the great education. 
Uh, thank you all for watching. If you're watching us on YouTube, hello there. If you're watching us on YouTube, hello. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, click that subscribe button. Uh, we're, we're not going to have a, as big as a gap as we went through last time. I was saying, <laughs> trying not to. Yeah, yeah. try not to go. I'll, I won't get the vid again unless it's a BA yep. seven or something. I'll catch that one. I guess I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll be coming at you live, live and direct with episode twelve soon enough. Matt, you want to give our parting words? Uh, no, thanks for uh, watching and look out for episode twelve coming soon. Like Christian said, sooner than the gap between ten and eleven. Promise. Exactly. <laughs> cool. All right, Matt. Until next time, my friend. Okay. See you later.